Glow My God is brought to you by Afterglow ATX, a digital music publication in Austin, Texas. Read the entirety of our content at afterglowatx.com and follow us on all social media at Afterglow ATX. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Glow My God, an Afterglow ATX official podcast serving the hottest takes about what's next in your queue. I'm today's host, Mark Yoder, the audio director of Afterglow, and I'm joined by content editor Claire Harper, as well as managing editor Samantha Paradiso. And today we'll be diving into a, a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, and that is highlighting the producers, you know, the unsung heroes of the music that we listen to, the the wizards behind the what the man behind the machine. What's the Wizard of Oz thing? I don't know. The but man y'all, behind the curtain. The man behind the curtain, of course. Um, thank you, Sam. But before we really get into that topic, we have save, skip, and repeat. For our next section, save, skip, and repeat, we will be talking about what music we have been liking or not liking recently. So, Sam, do you want to go first? Yeah, for sure. I have a lot of thoughts, as always. Um, so I would say for this week, I would definitely save Doja Cat and Sizz's new collab, Kiss Me More. Very unoriginal, completely mainstream, nothing spectacular. However, it's a cute little summer bop. And it very much gives me like 2017 Calvis Harris, like Calvin Harris Funk Wave remix of the mm. weekend. It's just cute. But um, Solana, you need to come out with that album, girl. But anyway, <laughs> bes- <laughs> besides the point. Skip for this week, I have to say it, deja vu. Sorry, Olivia Rodrigo. She's, you know, she, she's she got her place in the market. I am just not her demographic. <laughs> she's singing about watching Glee reruns. That's just, no. And then I would definitely skip, like, skip Slow Clap. I don't know, Saweetie and Gwen Stefani. It just oh. sounds like an old Navy commercial. I did not come up with that <laughs> reference, but it just oh resonates deeply with me. I feel like it's a back to school commercial. Like it's obvious. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. It made a hundred percent sense. Yeah, I definitely think it. Yes. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it gives off that vibe of an old maybe back to school sale or something. We just, yeah, we just need to drop Hollaback Girl vibes. Like it's fine, but whatever. <laughs> um, as for repeat, um, again, coming in with another controversial take, I have to say is Brockhampton's bankroll. It's polarizing. I know. I'm just trying to regress. I am contradicting myself. I am a flawed human being. These are my opinions. <laughs> but yeah. Very nice. I still need to listen to the Brockhampton song. Um, all right, Claire, what did you have for this week? So my takes are probably not as controversial <laughs> as Sam's, but my save this week is definitely Wisebloods Titanic Risen, not Rising. And I just love everything about it. It's kind of like the perfect follow-up to her 2019 Titanic Rising. The vocals and instrumentals are so surreal and surreal and beautiful. Um, and I know it's only been like two years since her last release, but honestly, anything from her is just such a gift. So <laughs> I've definitely been listening to that one. Uh, my skip... This one might be a little controversial, actually, because I know we have a lot of Sukhyun Stevens girlies here, but Meditation 5. Um, so a little bit of context for this. I was basically like the angsty indie kid back in high school who would just cry listening to Carrie and Lowell at two in the morning. So this is not my type of thing. You know, this whole kind of really nice and soft meditative music. It's really not my kind of thing, this new age stuff. Um, and apparently he's making like five volumes of it. So not looking forward to that. (laughs) You want to cry. You want to cry when you listen to Sufjan's Yes. Yes. That's what Sufjan is for. That is fair. Yes. And my repeat is Big Boss Rabbit by Freddie Gibbs. Y'all know how much I love him. It's not his best track. And the beat is like kind of, it's not trash, but it's really mediocre. (laughs) If you're listening, Mr. Gibbs, please bring Battle Up back because y'all work so well together, honestly. But I'm still really hyped for the album. And I don't know, this is kind of random, but that cartoon rabbit that he has on his single covers, 
I don't know. There's something about it I really like. I love bunny rabbits and I love Freddy, so it's a match made in heaven for me. It's um, great. And yeah, I can't wait for his new album. Yeah, I definitely think like Mad Lib's production takes his music up to like another level. So shout out to oh, Mad yeah. Lib. I, I hope for he gets sure. more, more songs with him. Um, cool. So I'll go into mine. My save of the week was from the new Matt Martians album uh called happiness inside i i really like matt martian's kind of really jazzy kind of off kilter sort of vibe that he goes for and this one was super nice and like super chill it was like talking about taking your time which i was like i can relate to this like not feeling rushed to like accomplish certain things right away um so definitely liked the vibe, liked the message uh my skip for this week i don't know if this is a hot take or not but I was not a big fan of the new Tierra Whack song, Link. Um, and that's coming from a big Tierra Whack fan. I like her music quite a bit. But to me, this song felt like, okay, like, we get it. Like, this is exactly kind of what I would expect. And, like, I, I like to see her, I like her more weird side or kind of being more experimental. And, like, I don't know, this felt just a little too standard. And I'd like to see her... I like to see her like I don't know doing some more bizarre things like uh her last album was I think had a lot of good examples of that so this was more of just like it was fine I didn't like dislike the song but I was like I guess expecting more so yeah um and my repeat actually would be Meditations by Sufjan Stevens Ooh. I, Ooh. I like I get what you're saying you like to cry listening to Sufjan and you know <laughs> I do as well like I like to get in my emotional bag sometimes, but you know, sometimes you just need to study a little bit or like write an <laughs> essay. And that's what this album is to me. It's like very like the perfect kind of background music where it's just so like um, ambient and stuff. So yeah, I, I think it was, that's why I liked it. And it, it's interesting, <laughs> Sufjan does so many different sounds and styles. So interesting to see him take a, take a little trip into some ambient things, but yeah. Uh, I thought I thought you were a bo like a bossa nova girly for studying. Oh, uh, I, you know, you gotta mix it up. You can't you can't just <laughs> stick with the the bossa nova. Uh, mm. But yeah, or some lo-fi hip hop. I'll even I'll even dabble in some of that sometimes. <laughs> Was it something cow, chilled cow or something? Yeah, chilled the chilled cow YouTube <laughs> account. 24-7, 365 days. They're going to have some beats for you if you go check them out. Uh, I don't know why we're plugging them, but yeah. <laughs> Anyways. This is not promoted. Yeah, that concludes Save, Skip, and Repeat. And now we'll be moving in to our main segment. Yes, so for our main segment today, we will be talking about producers. And we are not going to just be highlighting the good producers either. We're going to be highlighting some of the worst producers as well. And some of the producer-singer combinations that maybe should ditch the singing part and just be producers. So um, the way it's going to work is we're going to kind of go through each these different categories that we've set up of um, our, like the best producers... Or producers we really, really like, producers who should not be producers at all um, because they're terrible, and singers slash producers that should stick to singing. And so we'll go category by category. Each of us has chosen an individual to highlight for these different categories. And yeah, so to jump right into it, we will be starting off on a positive note of the good producers, producers we enjoy. Um, Claire, who would you like to shine a light on for this category? Yeah, my definite pick is Pete Rock. This man, Absolutely. I like to say, is a magician. He is probably my favorite hip-hop producer ever. It's just amazing how he flips like these classic jazz and R&B samples into just these other hip-hop classics as well, um, especially with Pete Rock and Seal Smooth. I kind of think that he didn't really need CL. I don't know if this is <laughs> controversial, but I feel like he never really needed him. Not dissing him or anything, because he is a good rapper, but at the same time, it's just that Pete Rock makes such good uh, use of samples and beats that I think that's what people really liked about records like, you know, Mech and the Soul Brother 
um, was just how he fused jazz and rap. Like he was one of the pioneers of jazz rap in the 90s. Um, so yeah, I would say that really he's one of the best rappers for that reason. I know he sampled um, Dorothy Ashby, who's like this jazz musician. She was a jazz harpist and I just have a ton of respect for that. Like if you can sample one of her songs and create an amazing rap track out of it and kind of fuse it with a rap beat, that is just amazing. Like that is mind blowing to me. Um, and he's also done so much great solo work too and remixes for other artists like Kali Uchis, who will pop up later. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. Yes, yeah. spoilers. Uh, he remixed her song after the storm and it was so good. He literally just sampled like some drums and a saxophone and it just, it made it so beautiful. Just the oh, way yeah. that he kind of remixes songs so that it kind of weaves into people's flow and their vocals is just amazing. It's mind blowing to me for sure. So yeah best producer to me that's a really really excellent choice i think you described him as a magician and yeah he is the way he works with samples it, it does feel kind of magic that he brings to it uh yeah huge pioneer like i think he's one of those people that his like his style and the stuff that he did was actually like there's probably so many producers that you could say they were like inspired by the stuff he made so like his his musical influence is like definitely spread all across hip-hop um Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Sam, who did you want to talk about? Well, I feel like I'm coming in at the opposite spectrum. But I'm going to have to say, <laughs> I'm not saying he's the best producer. Yeah. I'm yeah. saying. One of your favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite? I don't know about that. But Okay. A one you like. <laughs> yeah. Jack Antonoff. I know. Like, oh, okay. Basic, whatever. But honestly, my sole argument for him being the best producer is his work on Lana Del Rey's 2019 Norman fucking Rockwell. Okay. Because let me tell you, I am not like by any means a Lana, Lana, Lana fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. When that album came out, I was like, whoa. Like that album is still in like very much full rotation for me. And I feel like that is the one album that really kind of deviated from her typical like Pepsi Cola like Lolita's <laughs> type vibe like yeah I feel like no one takes her seriously because they shouldn't but um that album came out and it just it feels a lot more mature and sincere and I feel like she can't really take full credit for it without crediting him because he did produce it um it does make me sad this is speculation yet to be confirmed but it makes me sad that this album is about GEZ. but otherwise it would probably be about like her her cop ex-boyfriend which that's probably what chemtrails over the country club is about if we're being honest um he also produced that that album is a flop but you can't get them all so but i mean he did like melodrama he did like the dixie chicks new album he produced Holy Terrain on FKA Twigs, Mary Magdalene, which, whatever, I think that's the best song on the album. Um, okay. Yeah, okay, Cellophane is good, but, you know. Um, and also, he's produced so much of Taylor Swift's stuff recently as well. And I feel like Taylor Swift has always been popular, but I just feel like her popularity keeps growing. She's gone through, like, five different genres and, like, identity crises, and, like, her <laughs> fan base just keeps multiplying. Um I don't know. I think he's in his bag for sure. Oh, absolutely. 100%. He's in his bag. Um, so I just have to respect him. But yeah, you didn't even really mention his time uh, with fun. I mean, yeah. some nights we <sighs> stay out oh. cashing in our bad luck. Some nights we just call it off. I mean, they did something with that. And I, wasn't Jack Antonoff like, it, he was like a drummer. doing the drum or something? Uh-huh. I mean, he's that been was a couple bands. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty fun. He's definitely like one of those people who's like, dang, they, they've done a lot. He's he's been around and he's worked with a lot of artists with a lot of success. I don't think like it can be denied. The the person I wanted to talk about was Tyler the Creator, who is very popular already. But I feel like his production work doesn't get talked about enough, maybe. Um, and like since the beginning of his career, he's produced like all of his own music, and I think that's been like a big part of his success. Um, like the Yonkers beat or whatever. He was like he was doing that almost to like make fun of New York rap or whatever. And it became like this like massive hit. Um, and yeah, it's just really, really interesting to me to kind of look at his like discography overall and kind of listen to like his old stuff like Bastard or Goblin and like this 
this super it has like this super like amateurish feel almost uh and this kind of sporadic energy too of like all these weird sounds that wouldn't seem to go together these like crazy jazz chords and it's like super chaotic but like you can definitely feel like there is something really unique about this and kind of interesting about this but it's like so rough around the edges that it's almost hard to listen to at times um and as he's and like you know he put out cherry bomb or whatever which had like really experimental production and everyone said the album was trash like uh, i remember i wasn't a big fan of it when i first heard it either um but like he's always kind of trying to do he was always trying to kind of find these unique sounds and do things his own way and then more recently it's like he's kind of realized it i think with like flower boy and igor like kind of these same kind of ideas of these chords and these kind of um you know, produ production ideas with drums and, uh, you know, things like that, but kind of with more ref a more refined, like, well put together way that's like, really, really, really successful. So yeah, and he's like, you know, he's another interesting thing about his production is like, he's, he's doesn't hide his Pharrell uh, influence. Like he's always said, <laughs> Pharrell is like one of his favorite artists and one of his favorite producers. And you can hear it his music like the Pharrell thing but it's like he's definitely taking it and like doing his own thing with it too um which is really cool to see that like the lineage i guess from pharrell to tyler um but yeah i mean how many artists of his success can say they like produced all, all their own music it's just crazy how many things he can do as far as like rap and like a tv show and selling socks like he is like you know just one of the most talented individuals uh out there like kind of it's crazy to think about all the stuff he's done with so much success and uh vans messed up i'll say it or wait converse <laughs> who was it converse or vans like <laughs> that didn't want to do a deal with him and now like you know he's selling so many shoes but yeah uh that's that's mine what do y'all yeah. think of tyler's yeah. production he's like a renaissance man honestly and i think that's really refreshing about him because i mean renaissance man in all senses you know because he's been in multiple industries like the fashion industry yeah. the music industry and then he's taken on multiple roles but even just as a producer like he's constantly reinventing himself like i agree with you on the pharrell influence but the thing is that i feel like pharrell can sometimes be a little bit gimmicky whereas Ooh. tyler kind of strays away from that and as i said he's always reinventing himself so Igor is drastically different oh, from yeah. Flower Boy, is drastically different from Cherry Bomb. And they're not like better than one another, but you can definitely see his evolution. Um, so yeah, I definitely yeah, think yeah, yeah. a I, very I think producer. like 100% each of those albums has like a very, very distinct sound, but like it all sounds like Tyler though. Like there's certain things that it's like are kind of running threads throughout all of those, I think that you could look at. His, his love for these like really jazzy chords or like mm -hmm. off-kilter drum things and like really layered production too but yeah definitely definitely a renaissance man of the modern age it's kind of like kanye as far as like fashion music rapping all these different things but yeah um yes i don't know is it bad to say that i think i feel like tyler is more at this point more creative than kanye you know kanye came out with like a lot of really good stuff but i feel like recently Maybe we need to give him some time. Maybe he's maybe he's burned out. Yeah. Um, Jesus is king. Mm, you know, we don't have to get into that. But I feel like with Tyler, too, like, Claire already touched on this a little bit, but he has, like, reinvented the wheel. And in a way where he, like, kind of takes on a persona with his different projects, if that makes sense. And I feel like he's also been so successful in so many different genres because mm -hmm. I feel like now with his like newer music with like Flower Boy and like Igor, it kind of takes on more pop with certain songs or just like the feel of it. And he's still very commercially successful. And I feel like I would compare that to similar to when like, I think he's more well-received than when Childish Gambino tried to transition out of his like, um, like typical um, music style and mm -hmm. transition into more of an R&B feel with Awaken My Love. I feel like that album was really poorly received, but Ego was very well received, um, sold out in a lot of Yeah, uh, that's concerts. another super interesting thing. We're kind of off the discussion of like the production, but like how how kind of like he, he's kind of matured as an artist and like the fans like have kind of stood by him the whole time. Cause I think also just people were sometimes even more invested in Tyler, the personality than even his music. So that like, even when he shifted the music, people were still fans of him and like respected what he was doing. So yeah, like one of the most successful like transitions into something else as an artist, I think. 
Um, Cause yeah, like you said, it's completely different what he's doing now. I think like his fans kind of grew up with him in a way, like maybe fans that were, who liked him in middle school. I don't know how old they are now, but yeah. Like I think as his fan base has kind of grown up, he's kind of, his music is more mature. Um, also, who who said Pharrell was gimmicky? Because I want to address that. I said that. Okay, I'm sorry. Like, I don't... What, I like, guess what do you mean by that? By Pharrell being gimmicky? I'm just curious. I guess I'm talking more about, like, the four-count start. You know that? Oh, uh, like, yeah. Like, he's not gimmicky per se. Okay. Like, his, his entire production style, but he does use gimmicky things. That's kind of what I mean, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could... I mean... Hmm. The four count thing, I wouldn't call it a gimmick, but I can kind of see what you mean. Like, it's maybe a bit, like, played out at some point. Uh, I kind of agree with Claire, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> oof. Well, I just oof. feel like with Pharrell. <laughs> Did y'all hear Grydon? Have y'all heard uh, heard that song? I mean, okay. I don't know. Pharrell, like, I'm definitely not a fan of all of his music, but I think, like, he's easily one of the most prolific kind of people that were behind so many great, great songs. I think uh, so. I just feel like yeah. there's a very fine line between having like a style or a trademark in music and then having every song you produce sound the same. And I feel like Pharrell kind of leans towards mm -hmm. like, I feel like a lot of the songs that he produces, a lot of the times I'm like, am I listening? I'm just listening to the same song. I, but I will say he is, Ooh. you know. Wow. Yeah. I feel that way too. I, I mean, that's, that's y'all's opinion. <laughs> I can, you know, agree to disagree. I think like there are some things between all of his music that you could see and be like, okay, he's doing the same thing. But I think like his songs uh, have like a lot of unique stuff in most of them. And like he produced Drop It Like It's Hot. No, I mean, come on. With all the like mouth noises <laughs> and stuff. Anyways, moving on, moving on. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know how to end this. Um, moving on to our next one, our next category, we have the worst producers in the game. Producers we think should not even be producers and should should retire and pack it up. Uh, so Claire, who did you want to look at as being a terrible producer? Okay, y'all, I'm I'm about to get salty here. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> That's what this segment's for. We're yes. here, here for the salt. Okay, so I picked Skrillex. I honestly, <laughs> I feel like I should just say his name, and that's it. Government? That's just all I okay. say. Because like I don't think anyone likes him at this point, right? Like. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I definitely don't think he's one of the most popular. It's so funny because <laughs> on our last podcast, it hasn't came out. It hasn't come out yet, but we were talking about EDM and Skrillex definitely came <laughs> up. So this is the second podcast in a row where we're clowning Dang. on Skrillex. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I don't know if he's like a bad person, <laughs> but definitely not a huge <laughs> fan of his uh, his production personally. Yeah, for sure. Because it's just like, I mean, first of all, dubstep, which, ew. Second, it's just, it's it's so dissonant, which like, I guess there's artists who use dissonance well in their music. Like, I'm personally a closeted Death Grips fan. I'm sorry, y'all. But they are good. Like, they do use it well because their lyrics are literally about drugs and violence and stuff. And like, it, it works. Mm -hmm. But then with him, my biggest issue with him was this collab with Justin Bieber, <laughs> Where Are You Now? Because I swear... That song ruined mainstream pop for like two years. Honestly. Oh my gosh, you could not no. get away from that song. No, because that he calls it like a dolphin sound effect. I was like, <laughs> that kind of thing, <laughs> you know, that he used with Justin's vocal samples. Like he chopped it up and pitched it so much that it's just, it's like this weird siren sound and it's just so grating. Like it's so unpleasant. <laughs> you know, Justin's just singing about some girl and then this thing just pops up out of nowhere. And it's like, it does not work. It just doesn't fit. And I feel like that just spread like a disease across the pop landscape. And just, it was everywhere, I swear. Okay, I've got examples here, y'all. I, I brought info, I did my research. She has the receipts. Yes, I have my receipts and I bet you forgot this song, but I took a pill in Ibiza by the one-hit wonder guy, Mike Posner. Uh, that has that too. I swear it had, it was like the original song was just an acoustic song, but then yes. the remix that was so weird. And he has like these soft little kind of folky vocals. And then out of nowhere, it has like this vocal sample. That's oh my really gosh. weird and squeaky. And then the same with Lean On by Major Lazer and Mo, if that's how you say your name. Like they, they have that same problem too. So I don't know. I would just not <laughs> wait, listen to the wait, radio. Wait, Skrillex didn't years. produce um, Lean On though, did he? It was just that 
Oh, you're talking about that like dolphin think, yeah. sound. Yeah. Yeah. Like they include, yeah. Oh. I mean, those are just like other pop songs that, cause it became like a trend, right? That it kind did. of vocal sample thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're right. This, so Skrillex was like ground zero yeah, he for that. that. Yes. Oh my gosh. It spread like a virus, that sound. It did. That's yeah. so funny. So not only yeah. is he a dubstep producer, but he also created one of the worst modern pop trends ever. So yeah, Man. not Skrillex. not fun. Skrillex so. really out here. Um, <laughs> I I it's funny you mentioned the pill and Ibiza thing because me and my friend were listening to that song and I was like, why did they do that to that song? Like it's a like kind of sad song about he's going back to his hometown and they turn it into like this banger or something and it's like. <laughs> what is going on right now? Like, it just makes zero sense. Um, but I also will not take any Mike Posner or Posner slander because uh, cooler than me. Are you, are you really hanging on to like 2010 yeah. though? I mean, like, <laughs> I absolutely, I absolutely am holding on to 2010. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think Skrillex needs much, uh, much discussion. We're probably oh, all on yeah. the same page when it comes to that. But I am, yeah, I'm curious to hear Sam, who is uh, <laughs> your choice for this category? So I would have to say worst producer, Phil Spector. And I feel like people listening are like, uh, that does not make sense. He was really good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Be My Baby. Yes. Good. Have y'all seen Mean Streets? You know the intro where they play Be My Baby? Classic. You should I watch it. Come it. on now. But um, when I say bad, I mean like Phil Spector was just a really bad guy. And speaking of bad, I just want to say his haircut. <laughs> like, whoever <laughs> cut his hair. Uh, well, you know what? I feel like they should be given a golden medal because a man like that deserves to have a bad haircut. But, yeah. I mean, I feel like artistically, like, skills-wise, Phil Spector was, like, a genius. He was great. I read somewhere that he was a millionaire <laughs> by 21. 21. That's crazy. And he produced music for like the Ronettes, the Righteous Brothers, Benny King, Ike and Tina Turner, the Beatles, um, oh Dion, the yeah, I put the Beatles twice. That that I guess I was feeling something about that. Um and Bruce <laughs> I mean that's pretty He notable. also produced for like Bruce Springsteen. And Bruce Springsteen is quoted as saying that Spectre's music felt like little three minute orgasms, which I would say that's a hyperbole. <laughs> I don't think it was that great. But I think he really like turned out some really good hits. Overall, I think he was kind of inconsistent. But I mean, he was awful. Like he was so abusive to, um, oh, what's her name? <sighs> From the Ronettes. He was awful to her. Like he basically ended her career. Yeah, Ronnie uh, Bennett, he ruined her career. Like stopped her from singing after they got married. And then he's like a literal murderer. But not even just that, like, even John Lennon is quoted as saying he was like weird. I feel like if John Lennon called me weird, I would have to reevaluate a lot in my life because that's <laughs> like calling what what's that saying? Calling the yeah. kettle black, I, you know? Calling the kettle <laughs> right? black, right? Isn't that absolutely? Yeah, and, yeah. That that's the pot calling yes, the kettle black. Yes, thank phrase, you, yeah. Mark. Um, but you know, as a person, awful musically, he was good, but he was very inconsistent. He created hits and then. He flopped a lot like he was supposed to produce an album for Celine Dion and then dropped it and then like became a recluse. I don't know. He's weird. He had his time and place. There's really not much to say about him. Y'all should listen to Be My Baby, though. That's a good song. <laughs> How are you going to plug this song? <laughs> um, well, the that's Ronettes. crazy. You said terrible person. Go listen to that song. I mean, though. he died. So, you know. Yeah, I guess. It, I know. Anyways, yeah. Bad guy, bad hair. I think that's pretty. That's a pretty good Thank argument. You. Um, for my worst producer, I don't think this will be controversial, <laughs> but for me, I'm saying DJ Khaled. We the best music, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Uh, the, my okay. What grinds my gears about DJ Khaled is that like he somehow has like ownership of all these songs that he had absolutely no part in like actually creating all he did was say okay we're gonna have rihanna and like this artist and this producer and we're all gonna put them in the studio and y'all go off and do it i'll come in later and say we the best major key dj khaled like i'll record a couple of those and we have a finished track and like and that's a dj khaled song like now he gets production credits on that it's literally on his album or whatever and it's just like how has this man finessed 
the system like this where he has to do so little to get so much out of it like um and he used to produce like he used to actually make uh beats and stuff i don't think they were very good but like yeah it's just the, it's just weird to me that like he's he's just like an a and r guy like that's all he does is like think like oh like it would be cool if we had these two massive artists on the same track like oh what if we put justin bieber migos and lil wayne on a song i'm the one <laughs> boom like cool that wow that was so much work or i guess like he has to he he like has good relationships with these artists or whatever but like yeah i feel like his job should be a behind the scenes guy who's like moving things around and it shouldn't be so like this is literally his song and his face is on it and his son's like the cover of the album it's like <laughs> i don't think you earned that i don't think you earned that dj khaled like i don't know it's so weird to me the whole thing what are y'all what do y'all think am i off base in saying no. it I feel like that is like very like 100% true. I don't, I just like, to me, I just computed something in my head because how do you as a producer put out an album, but you don't sing on the album? Cause that that's basically what he did in that album that he like dedicated to his son. Yeah. And, and no, not only that, he didn't even like actually work on yeah. any of the music probably. Like the most he did maybe was like, say like, oh, you should make this louder. <laughs> or like, I don't know, give a few notes or something or like, be like oh that drake verse is too long like make that a little shorter or like something like that but he did not make the beats like he did not do any of that he got someone else to do it too so it's all the only thing dj khaled does is bring people into the like to work together and record a couple ad libs and then he gets to he's the like producer of it and it's his song so yeah that's my yeah, dj khaled rant it's so bizarre right because he's literally like a big part of what he does is basically what record labels do just putting artists together right right exactly so it's like why is he getting that credit it's not innovative or anything no yeah no no it's like I, even like producers who are like super super visible i don't know like Sometimes I, I like producers that more like are behind the scenes, I guess. And like they don't need to put their tag on everything or like put their name as a featured artist or something like they're I don't know. I kind of I can appreciate that. But I get like they're trying to grow their own brand and, and things like that. But I don't know. I guess it just depends. I feel like. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, well, I was just going to I was just going to agree on, with on. you because I feel like this is really common in like hip hop and rap. I don't know if I'd say really common, but more in like mainstream rap it's really common for like producers to like do those little ad libs to put their tag that they produce the song. And it's honestly so tacky. Like Mike will made it or it's like, we got London <laughs> on this track. Okay. Yeah. I know. I get it. Like that just kind of ruins the song yeah. for me sometimes. Cause I'm like, that just like took me out of the moment. I don't know. I feel like it, it, it's okay. tired. It, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It can come off as like a bit, uh, corny sometimes <laughs> but yeah like every soundcloud producer and stuff has their own little tag and like they're gonna put it on everything uh for sure definitely it can be a tacky trend do y'all think the whole producer tag thing is only just you know like a lazy way of putting your name to something when it's not really unique because there's producers who have a very unique production style that you don't have to be told this is the producer you know they yeah. just it's unique the way that they construct right music. right right you like you can hear them. it you can hear that yeah. artist like you would you could play a Tyler beat and it would there would mm -hmm. not need to be any like mm -hmm. pre someone to tell me because it has a very unique sound or whatever. Um, yeah, I think I'm not exactly sure with that, but I I think it's like there's some producers that are really famous and stuff, and like I guess having that yeah having their tag on there or whatever people get actually get excited about it more because like oh we know it's gonna be a banger if Mike will made it. <laughs> like whatever but are there actual like um, like unironic dj Khaled? i fans? also think i definitely think so like he used to be so big on snapchat do you yeah. remember that where like i don't the know milk. or was it snapchat or he was always saying this is a major key alert mm -hmm. or whatever and like i don't know like he was he's built his brand enough that he definitely has some fans i think if he went on tour and just yelled <laughs> we the best music a few times and then played a song <laughs> off of a speaker like people would pay money for that some people um another thing about the producer tag thing is i think part of it is also like it's almost like a copyright thing um like if you made a beat put it on youtube uh if you just put it on there with no tag then maybe someone would just take it but i guess if you put the, your tag on there then they would have to buy it from you to get the tag off like that's something i've seen too so i don't know it's 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 but interesting like, does dj thing. Khaled need to do that <laughs> absolutely not no Okay, I think, yeah, we've probably, we've probably touched on that enough. Now we're going to move into, now moving into our 
third and final category of producers, we're looking at producers slash singers slash artists that we think should maybe just stick to producing because that's probably what they're best at. So Sam, I'll let you take it Ooh, away. I'm starting first. Okay. This one's controversial. I'm going to just say it right now. Um, but I would have to say that the group slash duo slash maybe it should just be one person, not a duo. Um, that should just stick to producing is a hundred gecks. Um, mm. I said it and I'll say it again. I, I just, this needs to stop. This 100 Gex like hype needs to come to an end. People need to come to their senses because I'm not saying like hyper pop. I think that's a very valid genre. I'm not like invalidating it saying like it, it's not good music. No, there's like a lot of good artists within the genre. I just feel like as artists, as performers, 100 Gex kind of like falls flat. And I say this because the music is good to listen to. Like, sure, that's fun. But my criticism lies in their performances. Their performances so far in their career have been awful, to say the least. And like, I don't know if y'all watched like the, the genius video of them explaining Money Machine. Like Laura Less is speaking like very much like she's giving us nothing. It's very giving me like Selena Gomez when she spoke her song. <laughs> and then Dylan Brady, I wouldn't say he's better than Laura Less. But Dylan's vocals aren't that great either. And yeah, the vocals are just not there for me. And there's nothing wrong with using autotune, like playing with that. I mean, like Travis Scott can't sing either. Like he autotunes everything as well. But it just feels very inauthentic for live performances. And then, yeah, I just feel like the music does not perform well live because the production value is not there. And I've seen 100 Gex live. They opened for Brockhampton however long ago. <laughs> and it was like a surreal experience. I even asked um, current editor-in-chief Lakin to testify to this. And she also said that there, which I recall, there were like two guys in the stands who were giving a better performance than 100 Gex because they were like more hype. I don't know. Oh my God. I feel like with other artists, That's like Charlie and like, Kim Petras, like they're also kind of in that genre, but maybe because they also have like a larger follower base, when they put on concerts, it's not just them singing, it's a performance. There's lights, there's like a set, there's transitions, like there's a lot more going on to entertain like audience members because concerts are not, like if I went to a concert and someone just sat in a stool and sang, like I could have just stayed home because if the music sounds exactly like it does like on Spotify, then why am I going? I'm not going for that, I'm going for an experience. And without the smoke and mirrors, it's just kind of lackluster to me. And now that I have like bashed them for so long, I will say, <laughs> I think that they have a very unique sound and they are very popular for that. And especially Dylan has produced for like Charlie and Rico Nasty, et cetera, like and other artists as well. And honestly, like Dylan, Laura is dead weight. You need to ditch her. Um, and just oh my <laughs> stick <gosh>. to produce <laughs> because this is so insane. It's mostly really Dylan that produces. I mean, they collaborate together, but it really seems like Dylan kind of does a lot of the heavy lifting. And we were talking about that earlier, like a sign of a good producer is being able to listen to a song and recognize certain qualities of like sonic qualities within the song and be like, yeah, that this person did this track, this person did that track. And you can do that with 100 Gex. Like when you listen to Charlie's like latest album, you can you know which songs Dylan produced. Um, and even with like ringtone, it just has a very specific quality to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, when I was thinking about it, I was like comparing it to Pharrell as well, because I mean, I know I was dogging on it earlier, but you do have a point mark that for all is very distinctive in his style as well, which is another producer that you can tell like when you listen to songs, it's a Pharrell track. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're going to be a singer, you should be able to sing well. They don't do that, but they produce great music. So I'm a lowly like nobody. They can pursue their dreams. They have a growing <laughs> fan base, but I just... I call it like I see it, so. Wow, that was a lot to take in. <laughs> that um, was. Where to even start? I I guess, like, I just don't really agree with this, your framing of, like, oh, if their show that I went to was, like, it sucked, like, you know, they completely should blow it up, like, Dylan should go <laughs> solo, like, uh, and, like, they should just retire, Laura should never, like, sing again on a track. Like, I don't think 
that's a requirement to make good music is to like be able to perform it well like obviously it's nice but i like you pointed out travis scott and he's like a great example of this where that man cannot sing <laughs> to save his life like you don't want to sound you do not want to hear how travis scott's vocals sound dry with no effects on it like it wouldn't be pretty um but like he still finds a way to put on some really entertaining shows and a lot of that is like crazy set design and fire or whatever and like he's figured out how to do like some kind of auto-tune microphone setup that like works decently well for him um most of the time so i think like you know they could explore those options and yeah like i like their music and i don't think it's just the production either that makes their music what it is like i think part of it would like and i haven't even listened to that much 100 gigs but like you know laura was saying like i don't know how you have such a small yeah. truck and you're like <laughs> yeah. a piss baby and stuff yes. and like these lyrics are so uh -huh. funny to me that like that's a huge part of it too i so anyways i i just don't i don't know i don't agree at all <laughs> that's okay. with what you said yeah i'm a hyper pop girly and i have thoughts y'all okay <laughs> uh, so i kind of agree like i i don't know i see your point sam like i agree and disagree because the stage presence like that's a major thing i don't think it's a deal breaker when it comes to making music but i do see how that can definitely kind of sour um, the live music experience because yeah like I've, I've watched a lot of concerts of, our, of theirs like i haven't personally attended one of their concerts but they really don't have much mm -hmm. of a stage presence they're kind of just like sitting or standing there singing mm -hmm. all huddled up together and yeah so i definitely get that um but i think like a big part of their appeal too is just how they don't take themselves seriously like with the auto-tune thing i think at this point we're not in the 2010s we're past that point where auto-tune is a thing that you just use to cover up the fact that you're a bad singer like people are using it creatively like you mentioned charlie and travis like they also don't sing that well but they're using it for like, you know, the effect for the aesthetic too, for their music. Cause they have very futuristic kind of surreal sounds and that kind of fits really well. And I feel the same about a hundred gecks. Um, and also I know Laura said this in interviews, but I know like she's trans and the whole auto-tune thing too is kind of important to her because she can pitch up her vocals. And that's something that is kind of allowed her to explore her gender and whatnot in her music. So I know that it's kind of purposeful too, in a way. Um, even if she's not like a good singer, I feel like um, the auto-tune is something that is kind of important in their music and just the whole kind of vibe of not taking themselves seriously, having fun, like Mark mentioned with their lyrics. Um, so yeah, I was for ditching Laura. <laughs> I mean, I was a, it was a hyperbole. That it is... was a hyperbole, you know. Okay. We're here for the gag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, for sure. Yeah, I mean... I can see your points though. Like I'm not saying leave her Dylan, okay? Cause they're, I feel like they work really well together. They're a great duo. But when you listen to her solo work, like she recently released a song called Haunted. It was a solo song. And honestly, it was kind of a mess. Like when you have Dylan hop on, I feel like it's not just a bunch of, you know, disarrayed wonky synths, like this hyper pop sound that isn't very structured. Like he really refines it and he gives it that Dylan Brady touch. So honestly, I can definitely see what you mean with him having, like he has that down a little bit more and he has his trademarks. And I feel like Laura definitely needs to find kind of her own voice and style a little bit more. So as I said, like I, I get what you're saying. I disagree a little, but I definitely agree, especially with like Laura maybe not being as distinctive for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, thank you for bringing up that point about like being purposeful with autotune. I, I feel like the autotune is not really as much what bothers me. I just feel like it's the, it's the, um, like just judging vocals on quality, I guess is because personally to me, I feel like what makes a good singer is having that range and being able to, you know, bend their voice in many different ways. But, you know, it's just my opinion. I think they're doing great. They have a big following. I feel like producing is a good avenue for them though, but you know. Yeah, for sure. Do y'all think that, like, if they just completely removed vocals, do you think it would change much? Because I feel like the biggest part of their appeal really is just their production and how much they experiment with it, you know? I feel like it'd be a little different because Mark was saying it is kind of like meme like, you know, it's not meant to be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah. I think they have more, like, more pop influence songs, like Ringtone. I mean, that's just, like, a cute song. It's not meant to be, like, haha, this is a joke. Um, I think it would make it a little different. But, I mean... Again, they have produced for other artists, so I don't know. I don't know if it just if they just went like that wouldn't even be acoustic, would it, like instrumental. What's the what would be that word besides the point? Yeah, maybe instrumental. I don't know. Yeah. All right, cool. I think that probably covers um, 100 gex. All right, and Claire, who did you want to look at as um, a producer who should stop singing? 
So I chose Kaji Uchis, and before y'all attack me, I have mm. nothing against her vocals. She's literally one of my favorite singers. So this isn't really so much about like, I think she should stop singing, but I think she should produce more. Cause here's, mm. here's the thing. So she has like this very nice R&B slash doo-wop kind of vintagey vibe, but at the same time, she's kind of made it her own. Like she's infused, you know, Latin influences into it. So she has like a super unique sound and her vocal style as well. Um, but she just doesn't produce that much for some reason. Like in her last two albums, she literally only produced one song. Um, and one of her EPs, she did produce like two songs, but that's about it. Like she really hasn't been doing that so much as just writing and singing, which is super disappointing because her debut mixtape, uh, Drunken Babble, it was like, it's not a masterpiece, okay? It was pretty lo-fi and rough, but you can definitely see her potential as a producer. Um, a little background she was homeless when she made it which that alone already makes it super impressive because she just made it on garage band she was homeless living in her car working at a whole foods at 18 years of age and she created her debut mixtape in 48 hours like if that's not impressive to you i don't what? know what is because honestly like that woman is so resilient and so talented like i, I don't know what else to say honestly like it it's super impressive and the record itself, when you listen to it, you can see a lot of stuff that she's kind of evolved from right now, but I think she should also kind of continue exploring a little more because it definitely had like more of an R&B slash hip hop slash soul kind of sound, which is a bit different from kind of the more dream pop sound she has nowadays. Um, but I think it's something that fits really well. And she was even rapping in some of the songs and it just worked well. Um, so I think she could definitely hop on you know, and produce a little bit more, not just for herself, but for other artists. Like I have like a whole list of artists I would love for her to collab with. SZA, I know SZA and her are kind of different, but you know, SZA's still got like that dreamy R&B vibe, same with Blood Orange, Ravina and Snow Allegra, like they all have that kind of same style. And I feel like she could definitely work with them to kind of refine it and give it a little bit of a Kali Uchi's touch. Um, and then also like she could even go further and support up and coming Latinx R&B artists like Girl Ultra. She's like a smaller artist. So she's really good too. Kuko. There's just so many musicians and so many possibilities for who she could work with, honestly. And I feel like she's she's missing out on an opportunity because she's got the skills. She's got the talent. I don't know if she has the time, but if she does, I feel like she should <laughs> definitely consider it. Um, so yeah, that, that was my pick for sure. That is so interesting. I'm glad you said like, you want to see more production, but you don't want her to like stop <laughs> singing. Because oh, no, when I saw not. like we have a Google Doc, when I saw her name on the Google Doc for this category, I was like, "Oh, you're out of your mind!" <laughs> like she is such a good singer yeah. slash artist. Like, um, but yeah, that I didn't even know she produced to be honest. So I definitely want to check out like her debut mixtape that you were talking about and kind of see see some of that stuff. But yeah, I think like those collaborations that you said like make a lot of sense from a stylistic point of view. I really liked how you said you'd like her to see her like collaborate with Kuko because his last album, Para Mi, is very like psychedelic mm -hmm. and she has like a lot of like psychedelic influences in her music too. I feel like that would be so good. Like it would be a very good vibe for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. All yes. right, cool. Um, I will jump into my selection for this category and that is Pierre Bourne. And I don't know how well-known he is, but he has the producer tag where it's like, hey, Pierre, you want to come out here? And then it's like the little squeal or whatever. Um, he produced a lot for Playboy Cardi, Magnolia specifically, um, and, and quite a few songs. And like he has, he's one of those producers where like, I, it's kind of interesting. We've talked about this a few times, but yeah, producers where like, oh, we know whose beat that was. Like, yeah, they, ha they kind of do a similar thing a lot of the time. Um, and he does that, but in a way that's like, can be a bit repetitive. It's like always these kind of same hi-hat pattern, really, really loud bass um, with kind of these weird bass patterns and stuff. And like, I think it actually works really well. Like Magnolia, I love that song. It, even though it's like a very simple beat and stuff, it works really well. I think that's um, one of his, his best produced tracks. But where I have a problem is his kind of, he's, he started out and he wanted to be a rapper. Like that was his big thing. And he kind of transitioned into doing more production and he's now like more known for that, but he's still like trying to get his rap career off the ground <laughs> or whatever. And some people are giving it some attention just because he's like a pretty well-known producer at this point that they're like, oh, what would this be? But like, it's just not good. Like, I think it's time to hang it up as far as the rapping goes. It's just the most generic stuff you'll ever hear. And 
like there's just really nothing to it there's nothing that makes me feel like oh that's like pierre born's specific thing as a rapper like he can do that really well it just sounds like sleepy and kind of like boring to me um yeah i i just i think he should stick to what he does best and that is the production and like no one's no one's really yeah the the, the rapping for me it doesn't do anything so that's i mean that's there's nothing much else to say there i would also like to give an honorable mention to dr dre <laughs> i don't know if this is a hot take or not but like i think his production is clearly better than his rapping and he doesn't even really rap anymore i don't think i don't know when the last time i've heard him on a beat but even back when he was like um in nwa and like i don't know working with snoop dogg and stuff <laughs> he was always just like the weak link on any track you'd look at it's like he kind of just sounds kind of clumsy or awkward and like yeah definitely definitely his production was more um his skill set i think but yeah there's so many producers though that like to try rapping out it's kind of funny like i think most producers secretly want to try rapping and, and things like that like there's so many examples of that and sometimes sometimes you just need to recognize your strengths you know you just need to know know your your lane <laughs> Wait. but yes oh what were you gonna say oh well i was just gonna make a corny joke but it's like they say like those who can't do teach those who can't sing produce <laughs> or like those who can't perform low produce. key <laughs> low key like if you're interested in music but you're not actually like gifted enough to be able to like rap or sing or something then yeah maybe production's a good idea like, for you uh, i know i know we keep dogging pharrell but it's like that when beyonce and jay-z invited him on stage to like perform with them have y'all mm -hmm. seen that clip do you know what i'm talking about i have not i haven't well i'm gonna send it i'll send it to y'all later for your <laughs> extracurricular you know whatever but yeah viewing yeah for sure was it was it not good i mean Pharrell, he's like 40. He looked like a little kid. Like, he did not, his stage presence was not there. It was very interesting. Yeah. Um, anyways, we've already <laughs> gone on long enough, I think. Um, but yeah, definitely, I would, I would encourage all of you to look more into who's producing your favorite songs, you know, because maybe you could look at other songs they produced and find some things you really like. Um, and just being kind of mindful of some, you know, the art, like, the artist, the singer, that's one part of the process, but there's a lot of other people involved. Do you guys have any closing words or thoughts before we end this? I don't think so. Thank You'll probably listening. <laughs> You'll probably cut this out anyway, but I was just gonna say this was like super fun. Honestly, it was really cool oh, yeah. listening to y'all talk about producers because honestly, like yeah, it's opened up my mind about different producers and stuff for sure. All right. Cool. Thank, yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. It's kind of late on a Thursday, and so I appreciate you guys giving your time. And it has been a really fun conversation to talk about who we like, don't like. Sometimes we agreed and disagreed. That's okay. <laughs> um, no hard feelings. We all have our own opinions. But yeah, thank you guys for coming, and thank the listeners for listening. Bye.